With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now driving at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. We've got it pretty close to where we want to be. Um, but obviously there's opportunities and there's always opportunities that present every time we play a game. So uh, I'm sure the guys will grab those opportunities. And But we are getting very close to the sort of style of play and the team we want to play in the, when the World Cup comes around. But still, what, eight or nine months away. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel. Joining me as ever is Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you? Good manners. G'day, everyone. Now, I am very excited for this show because... We are recording in my very new podcast studio. So Piccolo Podcast has its own dedicated podcast studio now. Um, so if you need a podcast made, go to piccolopodcast.com.au because we are ready for you. Um, now in this show, oh, what do you think of the studio, Paul? Yeah, it's great. It really looks professional. And um, yeah, acoustics are excellent, as you said. Uh, we are shouting as loud as we could before and there was no echo. It was really good. So, yeah, um, and that was Justin Langer opening the show up, uh, talking uh, ahead of Australia's uh, three-match T20 series and three-match one-day series that kicks off at the end of this week in South Africa. So in this podcast, we're going to be previewing that series. We're going to be wrapping up all the week's cricket headlines. We've got a couple of listener reviews, and then we're going to bring it on home with Can't Let It Go Through to the Keeper. So let's start things off. Australia's taking on South Africa in three T20s, three ODIs. But, Paul, you're not very enthusiastic about this series. Well, I, I kind of am because I just I do love cricket and I, I think the Australian white ball teams... I'm really enthusiastic about the, the T20s more so than the 50 overs. But looking at it from a wider point of view, 
it's just another pretty pedestrian bilateral set of um, ODI and T20 matches. And I just, I think it's sad that cricket has gone down the path of saying, this is the way we're going to go, that we're going to really try to make these bilateral series have some relevance because I just don't see that they're ever going to. They've got the, um, what's it called? The ICC Cricket World Cup Super League begins in May and goes through to March 2022. I had to Google that. I knew that there was going to be a one-day tournament, a one-day league that was coming up. But if I have to Google it and it's only starting two months away and, you know, cricket dominates my life, it's not really catch, catching on. Are you, you know, you really looking forward to seeing how that, that league pans out and whether Australia can win it? No, not really. Uh, the only real interest is if Australia has a stinker and they might uh, be in jeopardy of missing the World Cup. The actual league itself is, is not that interesting. And I get your point about this series in South Africa and it's... You know, the only things that are interesting are sort of mainly off the field. Like, there's a little bit of interest with the T20 side ahead of the World Cup later this year. But, you know, the one day is, you know, there's not much context for them. And and more so, it's how the Aussies are going to cope with going back to South Africa. So, yeah, I see your point. I mean, I know that they've now got to fall into line with, way, you know, three and three is the way it's done. But they'd have been better off playing six T20s. What's the point of these one days when the next World Cup is in 2023? The T20s will be fun because T20 cricket's fun to watch and it'll be great to see Australia up against South Africa and uh, all of that. In and of itself, it'll be okay. But, you know, longer term, this 13-team league that they're going to start with, which has um, the 13th team might get relegated. I mean, that's exciting, not. Um, And then the top seven plus the hosts, India, will qualify for the World Cup. So what you said, will Australia have a stinker and um, potentially miss out on the World Cup? In a word, no. Yeah, I see your point. I don't mind them having an attempt at giving um, an overall context to the one days, but as you say, I think there's some work to be done. Now, tour news. Glenn Maxwell has withdrawn from the tour to South Africa, so he's not there. He's being replaced by Darcy Short. You happy with Short coming in for Maxwell? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, Short bowls a little bit as well. He's a good fielder. Uh, And I'm happy that Maxwell has chosen to miss it. If he needs to miss it, if he needs surgery done, now's the time to do it rather than as more important things come down the track. Yeah, there's been some sort of articles in uh, various news outlets. I know uh, News Limited ran a story where there were some indications that maybe the the coaching staff within Cricket Australia weren't 100% on board with Maxwell's decision to go for surgery and not um, go through the tour. But since then, there's been clarification in the Sydney Morning Herald by um, his surgeon, Greg Hoy, who said that once we got Glenn into surgery, clearly it needed to be done and it needed to be done sooner rather than later. And I think that the player himself knows yeah. if it's bothering him. And he, he wasn't at his best towards the back end of the big bash and maybe this injury had something to do with it. Yeah, best thing to do to get the surgery done. Absolutely. Now, I spoke before about the sort of interest about how Australia will be received in their first um returned to South Africa since the ball tampering scandal of two years ago. And it was quite interesting. I was watching the footage of the the team at the airport before they departed to South Africa. And normally when you're looking at the the team before they go on an overseas tour, they're smiles, they're, they're happy and they're looking forward to the tour. But in this one, I have to say... They look like they were being sort of wheeled to the executioner or something uh, at Sydney (laughs) Airport. So I guess there is some trepidation uh, within the team about heading back there. We know how, uh, I guess, abrasive the crowds can be. So I 
I think there is some trepidation within the team. It might just be that they need a break. They're on the road for so long. This is the series that they shouldn't be going on. I mean, let's let's diarise for three years' time now and quiz each other on the results of these matches. No one will know. Even the, the players won't remember in three years' time or two years' time. It's like they yeah, just. But play- I think it's more about the fact that they have to go to South Africa. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe it's just that they would they would like to have a, a, a few weeks where they're not playing cricket. Now, Cricket South Africa's interim chief executive, Jacques Fall, has re- requested South African fans to respect Steve Smith and David Warner. And he has said, I would plead with South African fans to respect our opponents and don't go overboard with these things referring to Smith and Warner. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's really good that we've seen this sort of uh, leadership from the chief of South African cricket. I think it's needed. Uh, we saw in the past where Virat Kohli uh, during the World Cup made a very visible plea for the players to be treated better. And, and I think this is a positive step by Jacques. Yeah, I agree. And I I don't think it's going to be that bad. I'm sure they'll be booing, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, I just had this feeling that the series will come and go without any major blow-ups. And I hope you're right. Now, a little bit of a read and react now. Robert Craddock, one of the best cricket journalists in the country from News Limited, wrote an interesting article pointing out that the South African cricket team has been on free fall since the sandpaper scandal. And since then, almost Australia's sort of been on a slow improve and South Africa's been on a pretty steep decline. And he gave some really interesting facts here, Robert Craddock, that uh, last year 312 professional cricketers were told their domestic competition would be pruned down and 70 jobs were lost uh, to save money at a time when administrative costs have soared by over 40% over the last four years. And player WhatsApp groups have been filled with examples of gratuitous spending and lifestyle largesse of the Cricket South Africa administrators while there's pay cuts going on for the for the players. And I guess the best example um, Robert gave was that six board members f- flew to the IPL final and stayed in a five-star hotel for almost a week, mm. bearing in mind it's a T20 game played over three hours. Yeah. I mean, I've said before how it, it does seem concerning what is happening in South Africa, that with all the players that have left, you know, dozens and dozens of players over the last few years have gone across to England and... Now they've got incompetence. They've had that whole issue with the uh, the board suspending the accreditation of numerous journalists who are just trying to hold them to account. What I don't want to see is what happened with West Indian cricket in the from the nineties onwards. That world cricket stood by and watched as the the previously dominant team just disintegrated. And in hindsight, they should have done something. They should have stepped in and helped out. Maybe South African cricket will bounce back, and hope, hopefully it will. But if it continues to dry, go down this, that, down this path, the ICC needs to step in and say, listen, we'll bail you out. We will plug some more money into your game, but there's got to be some, um, you know, something comes back. We've got to, we'll install our own administrators, or we'll take it over and make sure that um, things are run properly. I would like to see, and I don't know why they don't do this, say, let the Colpack players, the players like uh, Kyle Abbott, who've gone and, and made their fortune, or their money playing in England, they should still be allowed to play for the South African side. Is that feasible? I mean, it would mean that they'd have to miss some county games, but maybe they should pick, let them pick and choose and say, OK, for, for this series, no. I mean, not that, the, um, not that England cricket's on at the moment anyway, but if this series was going to coincide with an England cricket series, they could say, well, you can stay and play for your counties because it doesn't matter so much. But for a, a test series or for a World Cup or something like that, then they can come back and say, yeah, look, we're not happy that you left, but 
I can understand why the players left for a better, um, much, much better economic situation and much more certainty. And quite practically, uh, we talked about this summer, our home domestic summer being a bit down because of New Zealand and Pakistan touring. Traditionally, we've got England, India and South Africa as is, is the big three yep. tourists out here. Now, I know South Africa play a three-test series when they come here, but they're still regarded as being, you know, one of the, the most exciting teams to watch and they're well followed when they come here. If they were to continue this decline would have a situation where you know they might be uh, you know become one of those nations that just kind of tours and they're forgotten about which is why cricket australia should be willing to dig into their pockets and help them out because it will ultimately benefit us financially as well because as you said it'd be a disaster if it was just england and india the only drawing teams down here now in in south african news faf duplessis is retired as captain from all forms of cricket um do, do you think that's a big loss to the south african side Things are moving so quickly there, it's hard to know. It seems to be his time to go. And so, because he'd already said that he was going to go and now he's just brought that forward, probably the right thing. It's, um, you know, they seem to be a bit dysfunctional at the moment. They've got Graham Smith, who's, who's now been brought back involved in, in things. Hopefully he can sort things out. I know Duplessis' form has been on the decline as well, so probably sensible for him to step down from the role. Just on the field before we move on. So Australia plays the three T20s first. I'm really excited about Sean Abbott, who's in that squad. He's been, giving an, been given another shot, really, ahead of the T20 World Cup. I'm not 100% sure whether he's going to force his way into the squad, but looking forward to seeing how he does. Yeah, he definitely deserves his opportunity. We'll come to it later in the show, but I, you know, I've got a, a bit of a theory that maybe we should be going a bit more spin-heavy. But as far as the quicks are concerned, he does deserve that opportunity. And I guess in the T20 squad, the other people that... I'm looking out for his Matthew Wade's return to the shortest mm. form, Mitchell Marsh's recall, Jai Richardson's return from injury. Just a few things I'll be keeping an eye on. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with all the cricket headlines. Before we take a break, I just want to remind you that if you can uh, find us on social media and follow us, we're on Twitter and Instagram at AusCricketPod. That's AUS Cricket Pod. We're also on TikTok. Yes, TikTok as Cricket Unfiltered, Paul's new favourite hobby. If you get a um, chance, actually, please do download TikTok, look us up, Cricket Unfiltered. Go to, it's our sixth most recent TikTok. It's called Levers. It's set to the theme tune of Friends. You're very proud of this I'm video, I'm very proud of you? this video. It took me a long time to make. It's had almost 100,000 views. It's had our most likes, over 13,300 likes. And I'd love to, I very rarely plug these sorts of things, but if you've got a chance, download it, tell your friends about it. I want it to, uh, the, the TikTok algorithm is a capricious beast and I think I live, I live and die by it all the time now. And this one's starting to taper out. If the algorithm can get a bit of a, a hurry up that people are watching this again, it might start to surge forward. Absolutely. He loves TikTok. I was <laughs> trying to talk to him at dinner the other night and he was just watching TikTok videos. So... <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with the cricket headlines. When we come back, you'll hear the coach of the Australian women's cricket team, Matthew Mott. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think, um, you know, it's one of the rules that's sort of uh, been ambiguous for a while and I don't think it's possible for the umpires to look at the front foot and look up and make the right decisions. So the the main thing for the on-field umpires is to get the on-field decisions right and if they can get a hand from... People on the sideline that are sitting up there in the box, I think it only makes sense. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Menes. I'm with 
Paul Dennett. And let's get straight into the cricket headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. Well, we just heard the Australian women's team coach, Matthew Mott, speaking about the introduction of front foot technology for the Women's T20 World Cup. It has been confirmed that they're going to use the same technology in the men's T20 World Cup later this year, and it's going to be considered for future bilateral test series. Seems like a a prudent move. Yes, this makes me so happy. It, It has no right to make me this happy, but it does. I just think it's such a good thing. I just find it when... A batsman or um, a batsman gets out and walks off, and you think, oh, you know, are they going to check for the no ball? It's so stressful, and um, now it's just going to be clean cut. You know, you'll know within a few seconds that's the way it should be. Um, it, it'll be so good. Even little things like when they, you know, when they check for a stumping now, and they first got to, can I see the no ball first or a catch? Uh, whether it's a clean catch, they don't have to do that anymore because it's already been done. Even that is a beautiful little thing. Yeah, it just seems very sensible to me, which is not something we can say too often about the ICC. Okay, the next cricket headline. India have agreed to play a day-night test match next summer against Australia as part of their four-test series. And it is looking like the series will begin at the Gabba. I just wish they were playing five tests. Shane Warne made the point a few weeks ago, and it would just be such a good thing to have a five-test match series. Four is better than nothing, but... It would be good if they were playing in Perth as well. As it stands now, they're not going to be using the Perth Stadium this upcoming summer because Afghanistan Afghanistan are going to be playing at the WACA. Uh, so welcome, Afghanistan. You can play on the fastest, bounciest pitch in history for your first Test match in Australia. What, what great hosts we are. Yeah, that's a good point. It's strange that this brilliant new stadium at Perth might not be used for a Test match next summer at all. So yeah. Yeah, that is a bit strange. Uh, as you say, it won't be too good for the Afghanis on that fast, bouncy, whacker pitch. Uh, and so every now and then, Warney hits the nail on the head, and I think he, he was spot on about calling for a five-test series. All right now, the Women's T20 World Cup begins in Sydney at the end of this week, Australia hosting India in the opening match. Now, if you're not across it, it's a it's a 10-team tournament, uh, two groups of five. Um, in the group, they play each other once, so that's four games and then uh, the top two from each group goes through to the semi-finals in group a we have australia india sri lanka bangladesh and new zealand probably the slightly harder group and then in group b we have the surprise packets thailand the thailand women's team have qualified for the world cup which is fantastic news um, for world cricket and then we have the west indies england south africa and pakistan as the four other teams in that group what about Thailand? No, it's magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. And, you know, congratulations to the ICC uh, and congratulations to Thailand cricket. This is, um, you know, great development for the game. And hopefully, hopefully they do okay. Heading into the World Cup, there's a little bit of concern around Elisa Healy's form. She was player of the tournament in the last T20 World Cup that Australia won, but she heads into this in a pretty poor run of form. I, I think she'll actually lift um, when the tournament starts. I think there might be a bit of pre-match jitters taking place. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope she does lift because if, if she struggles at the top of the order, it'll put a lot of pressure on the rest of the team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, here are her last few innings um, just in all forms of cricket. I'll go from most uh, distant to most recent. 53, nine, thirty-four, nine, one, zero, one, four, nine. So... A little bit of a concern, but I I would still think that she's going to have a big time and I've got a great deal of faith in her. Ben Horn from the Daily Telegraph wrote a good article uh, pointing out that 
when Australia hosts India in the opening fixture in this Women's T20 World Cup, that the crowd might be predominantly Indian. And he cited an example of the game we were both at, not together, the 2015 World Cup semi-final where Australia hosted mm. India at the SCG. And that day, 75% of the crowd were, were Indian supporters and it was a 25% local support. So we could see the same thing at Homebush. The, in that World Cup, there was another instance of that. Where well, Aaron Finch's slow innings. <laughs> That's a callback for the Ozpod listeners. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was angry that day. Um, but there was also Australia versus um, Sri Lanka in that World Cup where the, the Sri Lankan fans outnumbered Australia massively as well. Uh, it, it's just a feature of white ball cricket these days wherever India especially plays around the world. Happens in England at Edgebaston when they play the one-dayers there. Edgebaston is England's fortress, but when, the, when they play a one day there... The Indian crowd is much bigger how than... how good the... is it? When they were, India was here for a male T20 series, maybe it was two summers ago, uh, every every ground was full. Yeah, And it was if great. it wasn't for the Indian fans, they might have been half full. Absolutely. But because they were out here, they were chock-a-block. So I, I don't mind who goes as long as people have a good time. I, I do feel, feel sometimes Australian supporters tend to sit on their hands a bit at the cricket now and aren't quite as... I don't know, vocal in their supporters in years gone by. I think yeah. they've been kind of worn down by some of the over-policing at the ground. But I encourage you, get out there, be vocal, of course, behave. Don't bother anyone next to you and be respectful, but have a good time and support your team. Yep, I agree. And looking at the two groups, I think that Australia seems assured of a semi-final. I think it's not going to be easy, but I think they should be good enough to make the semi-finals. But then uh, the semi-finals, you know, anything could happen. Well, the Australia-India pool game that we've just talked about will be quite critical there because if Australia win that, you would therefore expect them to top their group and that will then mean that they get to avoid England um, if they top their group um, in the semi-final. So then Australia should have a, a fixture that you would expect them to win on the semi-final. But if Australia lose against India and if both teams then go through undefeated for the rest of the tournament, Australia could have to play England in the semi-final and that would be a real, um, a really nervous kind of match. Now, the next cricket headline, Matthew Renshaw has taken a break from cricket after being dropped from the Queensland Sheffield Shield side. There are also rumours that he might be moving from the Brisbane Heat to the Adelaide Strikers for the next Big Bash League. Um, so Renshaw was dropped after averaging around 20 for the past season and, a half, season and a half with the Bulls. And, you know, the stress of a difficult summer's taken toll here. I did hear conflicting reports that, you know, he's taking a break, but it's not all due to cricket. There are some personal reasons. But then Bennett King, Queensland Cricket's general manager of performance, said that they thought it might be a good idea for him to take a step back from cricket for a little while. Um, but I just hope he's uh, he gets back to playing soon. Yeah, and... He got a triple century in grade cricket uh, about a year ago. His big bash form was okay. Um, he's obviously a very, very fine player. But let's hope he comes back and is in contention for test selection again in the, in the not-too-distant future. Now, Australia A is taking on the England Lions next week, but Will Pekofsky and James Pattinson have both been ruled out. Pekofsky with continued symptoms from his re most recent concussion and Pattinson with back soreness, which is a concern for Pattinson because... You know, we we thought he might get through this summer injury-free. Yeah, uh, he was so good last season at the back end of the Shield, went to England with enormous expectations, did okay, but hasn't quite lived up to that Shield form since. So if, there, if he has had some niggling injuries around, then, as I said with Maxwell, now's the time to get him right.
Now, Dan Brettig from Crick Info has broken a story that there looks to be some changes in the upcoming uh, tournaments within the ICC realm. So uh, they're looking at uh, the broadcast cycle and what ICC tournaments they'll put on. And I guess there's lots going on here, but the main thing is that's really stood out to me is that they're talking about having a, a T20 Champions Cup, which would almost be like a, a a T20 league for the international teams where they'd play like 48 games in the competition. It wouldn't be like the T20 World Cups we've got at the moment where they're quite short and sharp. It would be a, an extensive T20 tournament. So they're thinking of having you know, that every four years and the T20 World Cup every four years. So every two years there's a major T20 tournament and then intersperse that with the 50-over World Cup and then test championships and that kind of thing. I'm not sure I'm in for putting together another T20 tournament. I am. Bring it on. Um, I said at the start of the show how I I find this bilateral series between Australia and South Africa kind of um, pointless. This is what I want. Uh, I want tournament cricket for white ball cricket. I've said before I'd love to replicate what Rugby Union has in the Northern Hemisphere where they have the Six Nations and they sell out every game. The crowd is absolutely huge and passionate. I want something like that for white ball cricket. I'd like an annual thing in Australia, whether it's in October or February, where we have a few countries come down and play, whether it's 50-over cricket or T20 cricket, some sort of tournament. I'm accepting that's not going to happen, so this is, this is the next best thing. There's a line in the article that member boards argue that there'll be no time for bilateral cricket. Sounds like you don't care. It's like, I don't know, I can't think of a proper analogy, but it'd be like, um, <laughs> it'd be like um, people, diners argue that with this new menu, there'll be no time for gruel. Like, you know, this is, this is great. Bilateral cricket is the scourge of, of, um, of short ball cricket. That analogy is going to land with the youngsters <laughs> while they're all Googling what gruel means right now. Okay, so my counter to that is, I, I actually agree with you in principle, but I don't know why we need another tournament. Can't they just play whatever version they decide on every two years. So it's almost a T20 World Cup every two years rather than trying to have a Champions Cup and a T20 World Cup. Part of the problem I feel is for fans, they often get confused and, and it's like, you know, they, we're gonna, they're going to be sold, oh, they're the champions of the Champions Cup, but then there's also a, a T20 World Cup winner. I think that's confusing. I think they should just simplify it. And I agree with you. Every two years, have some form of international T20 tournament and just leave it like that. Like, a, you know, every two years there's a world championship of the sport rather than, as I said, just adding something that's going to confuse punters. I, uh, you're 100% right. I hadn't thought of that, but I instantly agree with you. They're almost doing that already. I mean, this next World Cup of T20 cricket that's in Australia for the men in October, that's 2020. The next one's in 2021 in, in India. India. Yeah, <laughs> I might as well just make it an annual thing. So, yeah, um, so some mooted changes. Uh, keep an eye on them. We're going to take our final break of this episode. Then after the break, we've got a couple of listener reviews and can't let it go. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Andrew Mensel. I'm with Paul Dennett. Now, I'd like to thank a couple of listeners that have gone on and written nice reviews for us uh, on the various uh, Apple podcasts around the world. Uh, the first one is from Natus Rattus. Can you read that out, Paul? Best of the Aussie Cricket podcasts. <clears throat> 
I listen to pretty much all the Australian-based cricket podcasts, and while they're all excellent with their own flavour, Cricket Unfiltered is the best of the bunch, combining the always entertaining and occasionally controversial menners, Hotel and the SCG, anyone? With the smart and ever-sensible Paul, there is a great balance between these two incredibly knowledgeable cricket tragics, and now, with the wonderful Jaleesa apps appearing much more frequently on the podcast, it has sealed its position as the best. Give it a listen. So thank you, Natus Rattus, for leaving that lovely review. Now we've got a review in the um, Apple Podcast in Great Britain by Haida Chima. You guys are awesome, but do you listen to Grey Cricket? Question mark and a smile. Now, I'm not sure whether he means do we follow Grey Cricket because uh, it's pretty evident in this, if you listen to the show, that we just follow, you know, we watch anything when Cricket's mm. on, Shield, Big Bash, Tess, or is he saying do we listen to our one of our bitter rivals, the Grey Cricketer podcast. Well, I'm telling you, Hyder, I don't listen to them because I don't like them. So I like them. Yeah, I know you like them, but yeah. I don't. I don't. I think that. I yeah. think they're really funny on Twitter as well. Good. Um, I can't stand them. And uh, <laughs> I think. <laughs> All right. Now, so yeah, if you can go on and leave a review on your favourite podcast app or iTunes, would love to hear from you. It's a great way for new listeners to find the show. All right, time to finish this podcast the way we like to finish most of our shows is with Can't Let It Go, the bit of cricket news that you just can't let go through to the keeper this week. Now, Paul, you, you've been doing some heavy stats research. No, I've done nothing. But, um, oh, you borrowed some? I've borrowed some, yes. So CrickViz, <laughs> yes. Crick who I've done some work for in the past, have put this really... Just had to put that in there, didn't you? <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> There's a there's a, a, a statement about some guy who used to um, love to name drop, and he said that the best one this guy ever heard was that the guy who's telling the story had scored some runs, and then his mate who always name dropped was saying, "Oh, that was the best innings I've seen in a long time," and that those sentiments were certainly agreed to by Don Brabant, who I was sitting with at the time. <laughs> I actually don't like it when I listen to other podcasts and they mention someone and they say friend of the show because they've been a guest once. Yeah. I think that's a bit tacky. Like, we've had a, a swathe of cricketers. I've probably mentioned a few that have been on the show. Like, for example, who? Well, I'm not going to start going through them, but if you want, um, okay, um, Ashton Agar has oh, been he, on the show. Friend, I friend of the show, Friend Ashton of the Agar. show, Ashton Agar. <laughs> That's why I wanted to get show, that Alex in. Carey, friend of the show, Pat Cummins. Friend of the show, Darcy Short. Can I continue? Anyway, so I think that's tacky, but sorry. Go on. This piece of research is from Ben Jones from CrickViz, and what it's got is it shows the economy rate for T20 cricket for the last five years in every over, so over one all the way through to 20. And it's got the pace bowling economy rate and the spin bowling economy rate. Now, what you can see that is quite incredible, that is with the exception of the first over, and the last over is a bit of a dead heat, but the first over, spin when used, has, is, less, is more expensive than pace bowling. Every other over, 2 through 19, pace bowling is more expensive than spin. As I said, 20th over is about a dead heat. You would look at that, and if you knew nothing else, you would say we should be bowling 18 to 19 overs of spin in a T20. And that's obviously not what happens. They've also got a chart. So simplified, what you're saying is, looking back at all T20 cricket, spin is more economical than pace, apart from the first and last over of an innings. Exactly. So you really should be bowling spin for 18 overs. Yes, exactly. Yep. Well, you um, said this three years ago on the Big Smash Cricket podcast. I did. So you were ahead of your time back then. And actually, Crickviz mentioned that... Um, Paul uh, Dennett wrote it. Go on. No, someone said, 
Actually, that's kind of what the Melbourne Stars did in the um, the Big Bash. They used a lot of spin, and the Crickviz guy said, "Yeah, well, who, who's been advising them?" So I think that um, that there's been a bit of advice there, and you know, the Stars obviously imploded a bit in the final, but they were still probably the team of the tournament. Uh, they probably had the best win loss ratio of the entire tournament. If so. there's a tournament to do it. Australia hosting the T20 World Cup is perfect for this to happen because we've got those massive grounds. Yeah, where it's not like in some other parts of the world where. You hit a top edge and it can go for six. On most Australian grounds, uh, there's some pretty sizable boundaries. So I'm not necessarily advocating that we get rid of our quicks because our quicks are really good. But I'm saying that when you're thinking of should it be Kane Richardson or should it be Sean Abbott, well, maybe it should be Steve O'Keefe or maybe it should be Farwad Ahmed or maybe it should be getting an extra over a two out of someone like um, Darcy Short or Travis Head. Um, so maybe that's a, something that we should you know reconsider the approach that we've got. All right, my can't let it go for this week. I've got two. Uh, we were commentating on a Sheffield Shield match at the SCG, New South Wales hosting Victoria, and I saw a young leg spinner make his debut, namely Will Parker, 17-year-old young leg spinner, took three for 54 and one for 35 on debut, but really impressed me was his control, and he just seemed to have control far beyond his years. So yep. I'm saying, Will Parker, watch out for this guy. I think he's got a huge future ahead of him. And uh, I thought sort of maybe we saw history there, Paul. Like we might have commentated on the first game of someone who could be a real star. It's certainly possible, I suppose. And I was also very impressed with his control and the fact that he did turn his leg break. The only caveat is it's a hard game, leg spin, and... Very, very few spinners actually succeed at the top level. It's very hard to be a successful spinner. So that's that's the main thing that's yeah, going to count but against him. He looks pretty good to me. Like he, he looks better than most of the spinners I've seen at domestic level. Yeah, I, I, I agree that. For, on a first showing, I, I couldn't have been much more impressed. And my other can't let it go is Western Australia won their first Women's National Cricket League title. They'd never won the competition in its current format. They did win a national title in the mid-90s, 96, 97, when it was just kind of a league, but they'd never won a, a, the Women's National Cricket League final before. They beat New South Wales, who have won 20 titles. So congratulations to Western Australia. Fantastic for the competition. And, uh, yeah, well, you know, they've won their first tournament. So a big up to the Whackers. Absolutely. Right, well, that's it for this episode of Cricket Unfiltered. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to the show. Lots coming this week, Paul. You think the sort of cricket season's petering out. We've got these um, six matches in South Africa that you're thrilled about, and we've got the Women's T20 World Cup kicking off. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all of it, really. I mean, the Women's T20 World Cup, I really let. Can't wait to watch that. And as much as I've decried the series against South Africa, I'm looking forward to it, especially the um, the T20 side of things. I'm looking forward to Sunday night where there's a T20 on at 11.30 Sydney time. And then a few hours later, you and I will be at Bankstown Oval commentating the Sheffield Shield. So it's kind of like the, the absolute extremes in terms of, um, <laughs> of, of cricket from white ball to red ball, big crowd to small crowd, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I'm looking forward to both of them. Yeah, so that's, that's right, Paul. We'll be at Bankstown Oval commentating on New South Wales v South Australia. So if you're at home next week, uh, tune into the stream. And thanks to all the listeners that have sent in messages during the Shield coverage that they've been watching. All right, that's it for this episode of Cricket Unfiltered. I'm on Twitter at Amenas. Paul, where can they find you? I'm on TikTok at Paul.Dennett and on Twitter at the underscore summer underscore game. See you next week. <laughs>